The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. So on Monday morning, seemingly out of the blue, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey posted a tweet. Lowercase, casual, not sure anyone has heard, but I resigned from Twitter. Will Remus covers tech for the post. And he posted a screenshot of a memo that he had sent out to the whole company at just that moment, announcing his resignation, announcing that a virtual unknown outside of Twitter named Parag Agrawal would be taking over and it would be effective immediately. All of this on what was supposed to be a day of rest for Twitter's employees. They all had the day off. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Jordan Marie Smith, in for Martine Powers. It's Thursday, December 2nd. Today, why Twitter CEO stepped down seemingly out of nowhere and how this sudden departure might affect stakeholders and passionate users like me. you're not on Twitter, what happens on the social media platform matters so much. For politics, for culture. I mean, our former president used to announce policy on the site. President Trump dropping the bombshell on Twitter, saying about his national security advisor, I informed John Bolton last night that his services are no longer needed at the White House. We're going to talk about the new CEO and why he's a somewhat surprising choice. But first, let's talk about the old CEO, Jack Dorsey, because there's still some mystery about why he stepped down in the first place. Jack Dorsey's letter explaining his resignation, when you read it the first time, it seemed like he explained it. If you read a little closer, he didn't really. So he talked about founder-led companies, which is a big idea in Silicon Valley. The idea that the person who founded the company, whether it's Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook, Larry and Sergey at Google, Jack Dorsey was a co-founder at Twitter, the idea that they are uniquely positioned to lead the company, that they have the vision, that they are the ones to continue to steward a company once it has gotten big, is a popular one. And he rejected that in his letter. He said, I think we need to move away from that. I think power is too concentrated in a few hands. My goal has always been to build a Twitter that can run without me. It's time for me to turn over the reins. He kind of got in a dig at, at Zuckerberg there saying that he was putting the company ahead of his ego. Mark now being the most prominent uh, founder to still be running a big tech company after most of the others have, have left, as Dorsey did. But what he didn't explain is why he's stepping down from Twitter exactly when he's still running Square. So he's still the CEO of the payments company Square, which is actually even bigger than Twitter by stock value. And he was the founder of that too. So there was definitely a missing piece there. And by the way, since we recorded yesterday, Square has changed its name to Block. I asked Will why this sudden step down from Twitter to focus on Square or Block is a big deal. Well, Jack Dorsey is very closely associated with Twitter in all kinds of ways. Not only was he a co-founder of the company, 
but he left the company in a bunch of drama and a swirl of drama about 10 years ago. And then he came back in this sort of Steve Jobsian fashion, you know, the, the prodigal son returns when the company was struggling, he was going to take it over and, and lead it to the promised land. Um, he's also kind of a, a weird guy. <laughs> I mean, he's like, he's always trying like different, you know, health cures and he's deep into crypto stuff and he has ideas about hyperinflation and has interesting facial hair and <laughs> and piercings and was just you know he was he was the face of the company in an unquestioned way and yet his time was divided i mean he was again he was also running square he had all these other outside interests at times in the past year or two from his tweets you would think that he was most interested in cryptocurrency and the blockchain and and that kind of thing as opposed to running a social media platform that's so influential so his departure means that twitter will get a full-time CEO for the first time in many years, somebody who, you know, whose whose whole job is just running Twitter. But it also is the end of an era there. I mean, it's 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 a maturation of the company in some ways. Again, it's following in the footsteps of uh, Microsoft, Google, uh, Apple, these other companies where the founder has stepped aside. Okay, but before we get to his successor, what was Jack Dorsey like as a CEO? I'm kind of curious about what his management style was like. I mean, you talked about him having weird facial hair and piercings. What was he like as a boss? So from all my conversations over the years with Twitter employees, Jack Dorsey is a really interesting character. He's an idealist. He's been described as naive at times, a little starry-eyed. He's a, a big thinker, a visionary. He has lots of big ideas for where social media could go and what the future of the internet might be. Uh, lately, he was really into this idea of building a decentralized future for social media, where a given corporate platform wouldn't own all of your content. He was not always rapid or decisive in execution. Sometimes the company would wait on him for a decision on something for months. Sometimes he would just say, you guys go ahead and decide. I mean, he could be very hands-off, especially with the divisions or the products that he didn't have a particular interest in at a given time. And people say at Twitter, that was a mixed blessing. I mean, it, it, it gave space for his deputies to really take charge of their divisions. And, you know, that can be a healthy thing. At the same time, they sometimes felt like there was a need for, for clear direction from the very top. And they didn't always get that because he seemed to be distracted by so many other things. So, well, I've recently seen that Jack Dorsey has been a chief critic of Twitter and it's his own app. I mean, is it kind of strange for a big tech CEO to go after their own platform and how it works? It is unusual the extent to which he would engage in public hand-wringing and thinking out loud and worrying about out loud about the health of the company that he was leading. I think to a lot of people, it came across as refreshing, honestly, in contrast with the leaders of some of the other big social platforms. I mean, you know, Mark Zuckerberg has apologized a million times, but every time he comes out and says, well, now we've got it figured out. Now we have the direction. And then only later does it emerge that they didn't have it all figured out. Jack Dorsey came out and said, we don't have it all figured out. There are some things really broken about this platform. I mean, we've we've made big mistakes. We've systematically enabled all kinds of harms over the years. We didn't foresee all the negative consequences of 
what we built, and we need to change that. And he invited outside researchers to come in and help Twitter come up with new metrics to measure this thing he called conversational health, right? The idea that this is not just a money-making platform, but this is a, a company that bears some level of responsibility for the health of how we all talk to each other online. I mean, that's a really big idea and a really big responsibility for a company to accept. And so uh, there was a, a forthrightness there and an introspection that was unusual. And yet, in, in terms of following up with action, you know, I think the results have been mixed. I think that, that Twitter has certainly made some efforts at reforming itself. It has not reinvented itself to this point in any kind of meaningful way in response to those types of worries that he laid out. And so what kind of legacy does Jack Dorsey leave behind at Twitter? Well, for about the first half of its history, Twitter seemed to stand for the idea of free speech online. I'm using that term colloquially and not in like a First Amendment legal sense, Mm -hmm. but the idea that anybody could get online, they could use a pseudonym, you know, they could be anonymous, they could build a bot, they could say what they wanted, that it would be a place where political dissidents in countries with repressive regimes could speak up and and speak truth to power. Uh, It would be, you know, a messy place, a public square. And it really did become that. And then at some point belatedly, I think the company's leaders realized or decided that they had gone a little too far in permissiveness and that the platform had really been rewarding people who were abusive, people who were divisive, enabling people to harass and stalk and troll other people and bringing out some of the, some of the worst elements of human nature in the way that we, you know, people on Twitter are always performing for each other. They're always putting on a show, they're fighting, they're, they're dunking on each other. And so then he tried to lead a big shift toward a more moderated platform. You know, again, he had this idea that, that Twitter could encourage healthy conversations, which if you've ever tried to engage in a conversation on Twitter, I mean, that's a pretty, that's a pretty wild idea because they usually don't go very well. And again, he didn't quite get there, but he leaves a company that has actually gone further than its rivals in taking responsibility for what's on the platform. Twitter was a little more active and aggressive in fact-checking Donald Trump, for instance, uh, ahead of the 2020 election. Twitter banned Trump permanently, whereas Facebook did an indefinite suspension and then tried to kick it to this external oversight board. Um, And then the one other thing I would say about what Dorsey leaves at Twitter is it's a company under intense pressure from its biggest investors and from the board to show more growth. I mean, Twitter, we talk a lot about Twitter because it is so influential and it it is not wrong to talk a lot about Twitter because the world leaders are on there. The biggest celebrities are on there. It's, it's a water cooler for the global media where they talk to each other and form their opinions. In that sense, it's an extremely important platform, but just in sheer size and the amount of use, it is a fraction of the size of Facebook. I mean, it has you know thousands of employees as opposed to hundreds of thousands. It has been surpassed by numerous other platforms over the years. Instagram got bigger than Twitter. Then uh, WhatsApp got bigger. TikTok is bigger than Twitter. So in terms of the actual business, and the usage, it's kind of small. It's kind of a niche thing. Like 20% of US adults use it. And of those, most of those aren't the people doing most of the posting. That's an even a fraction of a fraction. So it's it's a smallish social media business with just huge, you know, world-shaking implications. And he was trying to grow it, but he didn't get very far. And the investors want to see more of that growth. They want to see it become on a trajectory to be a Facebook or a TikTok and, and not just remain this, this uh, niche platform. Yeah. 
Well, you've hinted at this already, but we've seen a number of pretty high-profile tech resignations lately. There's been the Post's owner, Jeff Bezos. He resigned as Amazon's CEO earlier this year. And even Google's founders have left over recent years. What else do these departures and Dorsey's departure say about how Silicon Valley, you know, might be changing? Yeah, there has been a pattern over the past five years or so of the founders of these largest tech platforms stepping aside, focusing on new interests. I think these are restless people. I mean, that's the reason that you start a company, right? Is you you love the new, you you get excited about what's coming down the road. You have big visions and big plans. And so it's not I don't think it's I don't think we should be surprised that these people are leaving the day-to-day management of what are now giant global mega corporations to people who are maybe you know, better suited to be managers, better suited to be caretakers of mature companies and they're going off to try to find the next thing. After the break, we're going to take a look at the company's new CEO and the future of Twitter. We'll be right back. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Now that Jack Dorsey has stepped down, who is his successor going to be? Like, who is the new CEO of Twitter? So the moment Jack Dorsey stepped down... The new CEO became Parag Agrawal. Agrawal was Twitter's CTO, Chief Technology Officer. In that role, he led the company's engineering divisions. His background is in engineering, and he's really a story of a guy who rose through the ranks at Twitter. I mean, it's not, let's not go overboard and say it's rags to riches. I mean, he came out of a Stanford computer science PhD program and had every option in the world at his disposal. He went, but he went straight to Twitter from there, started as an engineer, and over a decade there, you know, rose to the top of that division and now eventually to the top of the entire company. He is described by colleagues as extremely smart, um, has a lot of credibility with the engineers as somebody who, who really knows his stuff. He's led a lot of the company's big picture technological initiatives over the years, whether it was rebuilding the backend infrastructure so that Twitter would stop crashing all the time. Do you remember the fail whale? We used to always, Twitter used to always be down. You know, he, mm-hmm. he was one of the people who led the effort to change that. Now you don't see the fail whale anymore so often. Mm. He was part of the effort to build a machine learning algorithm to, to recommend what posts you would see in your feed instead of just a reverse chronological. So uh, again, a lot of credibility on the engineering side of the company. But what I found is that he has rather little actual management experience. For a lot of his time there, he didn't have any direct reports. So he would take over and, and set the vision for these big initiatives. He would brainstorm a lot with Jack Dorsey. He was really, you know, had a mind meld with Dorsey, I think, on a lot of things, including the, this idea of a future of decentralized social media. Um, he's also a crypto enthusiast, like Dorsey is, but not a, not a people person necessarily, and not a person who has a lot of experience with the politics, to be honest. I mean, this is a very political 
political job now, uh, being the CEO of Twitter. Jack Dorsey has been in front of Congress to testify five times. I assume we'll see Parag Agarwal there sooner or later. And so he'll certainly be learning on the job in terms of what it's like to lead an organization of thousands of people and to stand up on Capitol Hill and defend these extremely thorny, controversial decisions about banning Donald Trump or booting off uh, this troll or that or letting neo-Nazis have their say or that kind of thing. So what has Agrawal said he wants to do in his new role? Well, he hasn't said a whole lot yet. And in fact, it was his announcement came as somewhat of a surprise, even internally. This was a, a very closely guarded decision. It was a decision that, that appeared to be made by the board and Dorsey, really, Dorsey mm. being part of the board. So when Agarwal was the pick, a lot of people inside the company were like, whoa, we didn't, you know, they didn't know that there was a search. They didn't know Jack was stepping down. They didn't know who the candidates were. And so uh, we really n- don't know much about where he would take the company, except we do know one big thing. We know that he was aligned with Dorsey's idea of building this decentralized protocol for social media, this this new world where you'll be able to post something on and have it appear on all, you know, many different platforms, not just one. And you'll own your own content. You'll own your own data. You know, maybe it'll all be on the blockchain. Um, it's it's kind of a radical vision that, you know, it's, it's a way that social media could have gone 15 years ago and, and didn't. And instead we got these sort of walled gardens, these little self-contained worlds of Facebook and Snapchat and Twitter. And I think that Twitter sees this world in which Facebook is really now the giant. I mean, Facebook is the, is the, has Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp. They see a chance, a, a strategic opportunity in trying to undercut that level of dominance by one firm and trying to build a, a different future. Agarwal is on board with that he was the one who named the people to lead this new initiative called Blue Sky, which Twitter is funding to build this kind of protocol. So uh, that's that's one big thing we know about what Agrawal plans to do. Mm. What are the challenges Agrawal might face as a green CEO of a major tech company? There are a lot of obstacles that face him. I mean, this is one of the most fraught jobs in Silicon Valley, if not the entire business world. It's a job where you have the final say over whether a president or premier of a company can can have access to a big platform, uh, you know what the boundaries of acceptable speech are. That, in many ways, from a societal standpoint, is the biggest challenge Agarwal will face. Now, he does have a team in place that that has been making those decisions without a lot of input from Dorsey over the years. So, I actually think, personally, for Agarwal, the bigger challenge will be on the business side. So. Dorsey has portrayed this as entirely his choice to step down. He's been adamant that this was his decision, but that's not what I'm hearing from all my sources. I have heard from at least one person familiar with the process that this was really the culmination of a uh, a campaign by activist shareholders who were upset with the direction of the company, upset with Dorsey's leadership. A year ago, fairly quietly, Twitter struck a deal with these angry investors that that gave them one seat on the board and that where Twitter established a succession plan. At the time, that deal required 
required Twitter to hit very ambitious targets in terms of its business growth, its user growth, its share of the digital advertising market. Twitter has shown growth over the past year, but has not hit all the targets. So it is quite possible that Dorsey was forced out. Again, he's he denies this, and we do not know for sure. If that is the case, Agrawal steps into an even more fraught position because now it's his job to hit all those targets and to turn Twitter from the the very influential but smallish social platform it is today into the kind of giant that its investors want to see it become. That's a monumental task uh, because it's just not clear whether Twitter is the type of service that most people want to use. How could all of these changes at the top alter people's experience of Twitter, like IRL, <laughs> in real life? I mean, what does this mean for the average user? I mean, or or me, because I have to admit I do use Twitter and I love Twitter a lot. Yeah, I, I secretly kind of love Twitter too, but love hate, you know, as, as everybody does um, yeah. who uses it a lot. So that's a great question. And I think... We can start to see the outlines of an answer in the new product that Twitter has been building and rolling out over the past year. Probably the most notable among those is Twitter Spaces. This is a live audio platform, very similar to Clubhouse, if people are familiar with that. Uh, You get on there um, with some other people, and it's kind of like a a panel that you would attend, but it's more informal, and it's on your phone, and it's happening live, and you don't know what people are going to say. So Twitter Spaces is one big one. Um, Another direction that Twitter is going is they're really trying to become more of what's called in the business an interest-based platform. And that's a platform where your experience is defined by the topics that you want to follow. And so Twitter is trying to crack that very difficult nut by introducing things like now you can follow uh, politics, you can follow technology that in turn could help potentially provides a path for those users who aren't necessarily going to ever have a large following or be heavy posters on the site, but it's a path for them to find some value in it if they're interested in gardening or outer space or interior design, and and all of a sudden Twitter is able to serve them the most interesting tweets from influential people and celebrities in, and scientists and experts in those areas. So I, I think you know Twitter's going to throw a lot of things at the wall under Agrawal and see what see what sticks. They already tried one called Fleets that was sort of like a Snapchat like like you put or an Instagram stories like thing where you put up a photo or with a little message um, or a little video with a little message and then it automatically deletes after a while. They tried it. It didn't work. They shut it down. They moved on to the next thing. So I think they're they're very much still trying to figure out what their future could be beyond the 280 character uh, updates. In recent years, Dorsey has loosened up, has become more experimental, and and just in the past two years or so, we've really seen the spigot open to new ideas at Twitter. I actually think we'll see more of it under Agarwal, and I think he has to do it. He does. He really does not have a choice because keeping Twitter the way it is today is not going to please those investors who wanted Jack Dorsey out. And if he doesn't shake things up and keep trying new things and and frankly score some big wins on those experiments in a hurry, the investors are going to want him out next. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced and mixed by Rennie Svernovsky and edited by Alexis Diao. I'm Jordan Marie Smith. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. 
The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening.